You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Recruiting for Mamas and Dads, if you want to, or... Whoever wants to listen can absolutely is welcome to listen. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I, uh, to give you a little background on me, I have a Division One athlete. My son, Jackson Light, plays for Corner Canyon Football in Draper, Utah. This is episode four, and there's a lot of things I'm going to try and cover in this particular episode. The reason why I'm recording these podcasts is I... When we started this process at our house, we literally were looking all over for information and I just wished someone had put it out there for moms like me who were like, what's going on? How do, how do we work recruiting? So um, this one's going to cover a, a couple of <laughs> large topics and hopefully we're able to do it in a period of time in which uh, you feel like you're getting a lot of information and hopefully it's helpful. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about a framework by which um, our family decided to conduct our recruiting process. And it's not going to necessarily mean a lot to you right now. It may, it's going to come into play more in uh, episodes down the line, but it was our framework And it allowed us to kind of have a way to conduct ourselves while going through this uh, process that was as authentic as possible, that was as honest as possible, that um, was our guiding principle. And as as we kind of go through things, it allowed us to make decisions on what we were going to pursue or not pursue, etc. So I'm just going to share with you our framework. Um, I read a lot. I travel a lot for work and a lot of times I'll be on the plane and I read a lot of different books. And one of my favorite authors is a woman by the name of uh, Glennon uh, Doyle Milton. And she has a saying that she said um, that I read years ago. And the saying is, just do the next right thing, one thing at a time, and it will take you all the way home. So that was our framework. That's that's what our family framework is. Just do the next right thing, one thing at a time, and it'll take you all the way home. And we don't just use that saying for recruiting. We use it for literally everything in our lives. We're just doing the next right thing. And sometimes life can seem incredibly overwhelming and there's like, what do I decide and how do I decide it? But if you just do the next right thing, one thing at a time, eventually you will see where you're going and kind of where it's leading you and it'll give you some clarity. So that, just to start off this particular episode, that's our framework uh, that we work with at our house and, and your framework at your house may be completely different. I'm just giving you our framework so you have that as an example. Okay, so within that framework, Um, That's going to color everything we do from here on out on the podcast. So today we're going to talk about the big board. What is the big board? 
um, we're also going to talk a little bit about networking and and how to uh, reach out and talk to specific coaches. Um, we're going to talk about the kinds of offers there are out there and scholarship offers and what they include and what they cover. Um, we are going to talk about uh, uh, things like the early signing period and the regular signing period. We're going to talk about commitment. And then uh, we'll probably end up this specific episode by talking about relationships and professionalism and what happens at the end of every college season, which I like to call the coaching wheel of prizes. Um, And we'll go over that in a little bit. So just to start off with the big board, what's the big board? So every single uh, college in the country has... Um, a board. And and the way I like to picture this is pretend you had a big chalkboard up or a big whiteboard up. And on that whiteboard, you're going to have every single position on your team. You're going to have a quarterback and you're going to have a running back and you're going to have wide receivers and you're going to have defensive ends and defensive tackles. And so imagine a big whiteboard with every single position on the board. And on that board, underneath the different positions, they are going to have names of kids that they would like to recruit or like to follow up with, and they are adding to those names all the time. So um, recruiting for colleges is kind of a full-time job. It's 24-7 um, 365, these coaches work so hard and they never really get a a day off. Even when they're on vacation, they are, uh, checking in with where their recruits are and where they're not and who's committed and who's not committed. And so, um, they're working at it all the time. They're watching film all the time. They're, when we're not in a pandemic, these coaches are all on the road, traveling throughout the country, uh, walking into high schools, talking to coaches, trying to identify players. Um, And we're going to do an episode later down the line specifically about what I like to call the job interviews that your child may have happening on a daily basis when we're not in a a quiet period and kind of how you need to look at those specifically. But today we're talking about the big board. So imagine if you will, that whiteboard with all the positions on it from, and every single college in the country has one of those whiteboards and they have names for each class that they're working on. So if you're dealing with a college that is really on top of it, they are uh, looking for instance, right now, they're working on their 21, 21 class because they just signed uh, they just signed their 2020 class recently. Uh, they're looking at their 2021 class. They're looking at their 2022 class. And if they're really ahead of the game, they've got um, a board where they're starting to put together a board for their 2023 class. So what the goal is if you are a player in high school, a varsity player in high school, and you're interested in being recruited at that next level, what you want to do is you want to get on that coach's board. So um, when we were looking to like get some guidance, guidance about um, this process, we actually sat down with one of Jackson's trainers. Um, it's a gentleman by the name of Kyle Aberton. He runs... Um, 
a training center called MVP Sports Science. And he has been training Jackson since Jackson was in uh, the end of sixth grade. And he has tons of experience with placing Division One athletes um, all over the country. So at that point, and he was one of the only people we knew that had kind of gone through that process. So we went and we sat down with Kyle and we kind of told him, hey, listen, we really believe that football is where we want to spend our energy moving forward. At that point, Jackson still was a three-sport athlete. He was wrestling and he was playing baseball as well. And just kind of a side note on that, coaches love multi-sport athletes. Um, no... There will be some coaches at a high school level that really want you to specialize, that want you to say, oh, I'm not going to play baseball anymore. I'm not going to play basketball anymore. I'm just going to play, um, I'm just going to play football. And I would say to you, until they're like a junior or a senior in high school and you're pretty certain that that's for sure the way they're going to go, don't do it. Let them be in high school. Let them play multiple sports. Each of the individual sports gives you an, an additional training, um, some additional leg up. Football players, um, a lot of football players wrestle. And, and there's so much um, that you can learn from wrestling that you wouldn't necessarily le- learn from your everyday workouts in football. So I encourage you to be a multi-sport athlete. Anyway, I digress. We went down and uh, we went to Kyle and we sat down with him and he walked us through the whole big board concept and how uh, to start um, reaching out and contacting um, college coaches that we would be interested in playing for. Now, that was a really interesting concept for us because although we knew and Jackson knew he wanted to play at the next level and and. I would say we had this conversation roughly after Jackson's freshman year uh, with Kyle. Although we would say we wanted to play at the next level, we had never really kind of stopped to consider where at the next level do we want to play, right? So um, after that meeting, we came home and we got our own whiteboard because now at our house, we're maintaining a board. Um, at this point, and we've got all the colleges up there that Jackson would be interested in playing football for. So he made kind of his wish list. And I think originally on that wish list, there was roughly 40 schools that made the wish list. And as silly as this sounds, uh, a lot of it had to do with the type of football that that particular college played. Um, at Corner Canyon, we uh, have a massive passing game. We do running plays, uh, but for the most part, uh, we're it, we run a run pass option. Now, again, I am not qualified to talk X's and O's in any way, shape, or form. But um, there are other high schools um, around our area in Utah that run strictly a running game, and 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 that brings in a totally different skill set. When our current coaching staff originally came to Corner Canyon, we were at our first football meeting and uh, people would be like, I'm a tight end. Well, Corner Canyon doesn't run tight ends. And so if you're a tight end, this program might not be the right program for you because we don't run with tight ends. Um, 
so anyway, we looked at all the universities that had a style of football that Jackson would be interested in playing. And then we created a board. And on that board, we put all the schools and in, 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 that would be we would be interested in playing for. And then what we did next is every single school across the country, once we had made up our list, every school across the country has not only um, the coaches listed on their website, and they stay pretty up to date with those lists, um, and they generally have an email for those coaches. So what we did is we actually comprised a spreadsheet of all the emails and all the coaches and the position coaches that would be um, handling Jackson's position, which at the time was O-line and D-line. So his freshman year, he played uh, guard, he played uh, tackle, and he also played um, on the defensive line. He was like an inside guy, not a defensive end, but a defensive tackle. Yeah, am I saying that right? Hopefully I'm saying that right. And then his sophomore year was the first year he became a center. So when we originally put the list together, we were really looking at O-line, D-line for all those universities. Um, by his sophomore year, when he began playing center, it became pretty obvious, obvious that he was that was really a position that was suited for him. And so we kind of pared that list down to uh, schools where he would be a good fit for center. Um, he also plays D-tackle. Um, we had one university when he started getting offers specifically offer him for defense, but everybody else um, that was offering him and talking to him was specifically talking to him about being an offensive center or somewhere on the offensive line. Anyway, we made up our own list, and then we went out and made up a spreadsheet of all the coaches at all those colleges that play, uh, or sorry, that uh, coach that posi- his position group at those colleges and uh, their email addresses because those are readily available on every college's uh, specific college's website. So it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little research. And then we also went through on Twitter and we followed every single position coach at all the different universities that Jackson would be interested in in uh, playing for. So that does a couple of different things. An email, when you send out an email, maybe somebody will read it or maybe they won't read it. You never know unless they specifically respond to you. Additionally, when you're talking about a freshman or a sophomore, you can contact coaches as much as you would like as a as a freshman or as a sophomore, but they can't contact you. They're not specifically reaching out to you. So, um, and, and that has to do with the NC2A rules around when you're allowed to talk to athletes and when you're not allowed to talk to athletes. And so, um, when, when you then go out and follow all those coaches on Twitter, you can get a sense of who's aware of you and who's not aware of you by which coaches follow you back. So, um, it's, it's kind of a, a, a little test there, emergency broadcast test, right? You are going out and you're following all these position coaches. And then I remember when we got one or two colleges um, uh, midway through his sophomore year who were um, 
midway through the sophomore season who were following him back. And you, you should have seen us at our house. We were like, oh my gosh, did you see that? So-and-so followed us back, um, which was a giant deal. Now, they weren't reaching out and they weren't direct messaging, but they, they're saying, hey, we're aware of you. Uh, I see that you followed me. I probably clicked on your Twitter link. I probably watched your film or I had one of my people click on your Twitter link and watch your film. So we've decided we're going to follow you back. And that's a way of kind of judging their interest. And so what you've done is you've created your big board and then you realize the second they start following you back that you've then made their board. You don't know where you are on that board, but let's be honest. If you are a college coach, you are not going to follow kids that you are not interested in because there are literally a million plus kids that play football. And so you can't follow a million people on your Twitter account and have any idea who came in and who didn't come in and what's going on with this person. What You're only really following uh, current players and current recruits. That's all you're following. So... That's what the big board is. Uh, The big board is, hey, uh, we've made a board at our house. We want to pursue interests from these specific um, football programs. And they, you are now knowing they have boards and they are looking at you as well. So what you're looking for when you're putting together the big board is you're looking to, are they following me back? Now, Don't be discouraged if they don't follow you back right from the get-go because they're in whatever process they're in. So sometimes um, you will follow a school and they won't even follow you back for another six months or maybe they'll never follow you back. And that's okay because what that says to you is, I'm not a priority for that school. They don't have a need for the position I play. And that's here's the truth. Um, Every year... All college programs that are FBS, Division One programs, only have 85 scholarships that they can hold on a team. And a scholarship is a full ride, right? And a full ride is tuition and fees, room and board. Uh, there's generally some sort of stipend if you need, you know, gas money or extra money for food. Um, there's... Uh, you know, all sorts of things that are, are part of that full ride offer. Well, according to the NC2A, uh, they're only allowed to carry 85 scholarships on the entire team. So sometimes uh, you will go into a program and they will have had um, 12 seniors graduate and they will have uh, some juniors who decided not to come back and they're going to, you know, go to the draft early. So that um, that 85 really gives them roughly 20 to 25 scholarships that they're allocated every single signing class in order to hand those out. So um, what you want to do is you want to look at their needs, right? And if they're really deep in a specific position, then you're going, hmm, okay, right now they probably don't need me. But if they have a bunch of people graduating and, and you don't necessarily look at their depth chart, which again is available all 
colleges release their depth chart and they say for these positions this is who we have and this is what year they are and and, and this is where they are and you can go okay this college you know they may need my position so I'm going to really hammer home on trying to communicate and reach out to those coaches um since there's only 85 every year they have to really allocate the ones that are going out to fill positions that they have a need on their team they're not going to get 25 quarterbacks there's no reason to have 25 quarterbacks so they're going to look at the positions they need and allocate those accordingly um so we've de just to recap real quick because we're already 20 minutes in we've defined what the big board is i encourage you to create your own big board outline who you want to talk to and then make sure you're reaching out to them and following them on twitter and Hopefully, you've already listened to a previous podcast where I tell you kind of how to set up your Twitter. So if they decide to follow you back, they know who they're following. They're like, oh, this kid plays this position at this high school. He, um, This is his film link. I, I have basic information about this person the second I click on their Twitter to see who it was that followed me. And then based on whether or not they follow you back, you're looking at whether or not you have... Um, an opportunity to possibly be getting an offer from them. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is specific to offers, what kind of offers there are. So like we talked about before, there's 85 scholarship offers on total on any college football team, on, on FBS Division One teams. Um, but there are way more than 85 people that they generally carry on the team. Now, how do they do that? Well, the first way they do that is they go, okay, where do I need to allocate all my scholarship offers? So those are going to my most talented players, the people I've decided I'm going to invest my time and money and energy. I may want to develop them, etc. cetera. Um, just because you get a scholarship offer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go to that university and play right away. Sometimes they're looking at your upside and your potential and they're saying, oh, okay, this kid may not be a day one starter for me, but I want to develop him. So I'm going to give him a full ride scholarship, but I'm going to really come in and coach him up and, and not use his playing time until later down the road, which is, um, uh, how much eligibility time they have to still work out and everybody gets four years of playing time so sometimes they may decide to develop you for a year and not burn that year of um, eligibility by throwing you out there before you're ready the second way they carry people on the team through scholarship is with academic scholarship so if i am a coach and I look at two different players and they both have the exact same skill level and they both have the exact same uh, position. They play the exact same position. And one kid has an amazing ACT or SAT score and a fantastic core GPA. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, I don't have to allocate a football scholarship for that particular person. What I can do is give them an academic scholarship. And there are very specific rules on how to get an academic scholarship. So if you are an absolute amazing student, 
then they can give you an academic scholarship and still put you on the football team, but it doesn't count against their 85. So for us, when we were looking at Jackson, and I have four children, Jackson's the baby of the family, and each of my children have very different skill sets and very different talents. Um, I My oldest son is a bit of a brainiac and uh, is currently still in college. It feels like he's forever in college, but uh, he graduated with his first couple of degrees, uh, magnum cum laude, which is uh, academic excellence. I have another daughter that's all about business. I have another daughter who is all about the arts, and um, (laughs) she also works. um, She speaks two languages and does a lot of interpreting work, but Jackson, Jackson's our athlete. And so we looked at Jackson's strengths and we said to him, listen, we want to do what we can to absolutely develop your talents and give you every possible um, help we can in achieving your dreams. But we tried to stay on top of him relative to his schoolwork because we wanted to make sure that he was academically eligible. Now, Jackson's not going to be He's going to have to be an athletic scholarship kind of kid because he's not an academic scholarship kind of kid. And that's fine. Um, But if you have a kid and they're a 4.0 and they have amazing uh, ACT or SAT, that's awesome. Because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll say to you, listen, we would love to have you come play on our team, but we're not going to give you an academic scholarship or a athletic scholarship, we're going to give you an academic scholarship. And that's awesome because you're still on the team. You are working out with the team. You're rooming with the team. You're doing all the things with the team. uh, But you're just not coming out of their 85 scholarship budget. So if you are on the bubble and you want to do what you can in order to be more um, making an impact on the teams that you're trying to get on their board with, having good academics and good test scores is a massive way to do that. And then there's also offers called preferred walk-on offers. What they're essentially saying to people that they're giving a preferred walk-on to is we're going to let you come, we're going to let you work out with the team. We are going to let you um, eat with the team and have a locker in the locker room and all the things but we're not going to pay for your school and your tuition. So my my word of caution for preferred walk-ons is sometimes you will have a Division One FCS school come offer you a, a, a football scholarship, and you'll have some Division Two schools come offer you a, some scholarship money, but you wanted to go play for the big boys. You wanted to go play at your dream school, and the only thing they offered you was a preferred walk-on. If you can financially and academically swing some tuition money and some help on that, great. But I would say go to place, if it's about playing at the next level for you, go to the place that wants you to come play for them, that you'll get playing time. A preferred walk-on is generally not necessarily going to get playing time right out of the gate. They're going to have to fight with all the scholarship kids in order to make the team. And it happens. 
every year. It just breaks our little hearts when we, not breaks them, but makes our hearts swell with happiness when we see a player who went as a preferred walk-on and then beat out all the scholarship people for the starting position. And then you see these videos over the last couple of years on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram in which a head coach or a position coach surprises their player and says, good news, you've earned a scholarship. We're putting you on scholarship. That's, oh, oh my gosh, I cry almost every time I see those videos. But that is really, really difficult. So you have to really be focused. And it would be very difficult to work and go to college and try to also be a preferred walk-on that makes the team. Now, when you get an offer, that just means a one-year commitment. If your player goes to that school and doesn't give it their 100% all and slacks off in their studies or in their lifting or their nutrition or isn't um, giving it 100%, they don't have to guarantee those offers for a full four years. They're giving you the opportunity to come in and earn that offer the next year. Um, So... That's something to also be aware of. Like once the offer comes, that means you're just you have more work to do. That's the beginning of the work. Even though most of these kids have been working on this, like I said in a previous podcast, since they were eight years old. Um, so just be aware that that's how the scholarships work. Um, when you see a lot of times you will see on Twitter, and here's another like Jen to the side. Um, I always say to my kids. And to my family, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, because what will happen is kids will see other kids, players, and they'll see, and they may have an opinion of that player. I'm better than him, or that kid's really good, or whatever it is. I'm not as good as that kid. Um, when you compare yourself to other people, you're, you're. It's a thief of joy. Your joy can be taken away by going by comparing yourself to someone else. So I always say to someone, the process is the process. Some people's recruiting process started when they were 13 years old or 12 years old. Others starts the beginning of their senior year. Other Some kids don't get any sort of offers until the very last moment of, the, of their senior year. Whenever your process starts, just just enjoy that and be happy about that because there is no right and wrong time for it to start. Um, it Your process is what your process is and just be grateful for what it is and work as hard as you can for, for where you are in that process. Anyway, you'll see a lot of offers on Twitter and they'll be like, I'm so excited to announce I've been offered by this university or that university. And a lot of times what will happen is kids will be essentially trying to hype themselves so they can get the attention of other schools that might be paying attention to them. A lot of those offers are preferred walk-on offers. They're not full-ride scholarship offers. Um, so just kind of be aware of that. Don't assume based on what someone has tweeted about that they actually spoke with the coach, that the coach actually gave them a full-ride offer. A lot of times that's a academic offer that's a preferred walk-on offer so just be aware of that and a lot of the offers may end up not necessarily being committable um so let's just take a second and talk about that 
Because there are only 85 roster spots with full-ride academic scholarships on every single FBS Division I football team, um, they are looking to fill the positions that they need. Now, what they don't want to do is put all their eggs in one basket, right? So you may have 25 positions that you need to fill, but in order to fill those 20 to 25 positions, you may need to put out anywhere from a hundred offers to there are schools out there that put out literally 400 offers, 500 offers. And it's like, what in the world? Why are so many offers going out from this one school? And, and what it's telling them is a couple of different things. It's saying, we would like, when you, they offer, they're saying, we would like you to come and play for us. But if you start to not talk to them or if you start to like be all hyped up on another school they're gonna have to go wait a minute what's our likelihood of actually bringing in this kid and signing this kid we can't put all our eggs in that basket and have someone else come in and sign that kid at the last day so they've got to put off offers and the longer those positions go uncommitted the more offers they will have to put out so if you need, say, an offensive tackle and you have uh, uh, two scholarships to bring in offensive tackles and you offer your top two guys right out of the gate and one of them commits fantastic and then the other one doesn't, then you've got an, that one open spot. So a month down the line, you may put out five more offers. And after you put out that five more offers, right, if that top kid still hasn't committed and of the next five that you put out there no one's necessarily coming back and committing you may need to put out five more offers and you take that for every position on the field those can multiply really quickly so the kids who find their home and commit early have the best chance of having a committable offer when an offer is originally floated out there, it's probably super committable. Most people would not offer a kid unless they want the kid to say yes. But the longer that offer sits there out there on the table without a kid committing, the more a team will need to put out additional offers because what they're saying is um, we can't be left holding the bag at the end of the day. So be aware of that. Um, and then... I'm just going to talk a little bit again about our just do the next right thing one thing at a time. It'll take you all the way home. So when we originally started this process, we thought we wanted all the offers. We wanted 50 offers, right? But the truth is you, 50 offers is 50 separate relationships. It's 50 different teams that all need a specific position it's 50 relationships, it's, it's uh, 50 head coaches and 50 position coaches and 50 graduate assistants. The amount of relationships that you are maintaining when you have 50 offers is overwhelming. Um, it is stressful. Um, you, it's like being on, my, my sister always says, it's like being on The Bachelor. That poor guy is juggling all those relationships. How does he do it? So some kids are really well suited to that. Um, Jackson is not really well suited to that. He 
What you find out when you go into this process is you think you have allegiance to certain college teams and then you meet their coaches and you meet their head coaches and you meet their GAs and these people are the kindest, nicest, amazing people. They all have families, they have wives, they have kids, they are doing their jobs to the best of their abilities. And you start to realize that this isn't about, I want 50 offers, this is about, I want to find a home. So as our framework being just do the next right thing one thing at a time, for Jackson, the next right thing was not to maintain a million different relationships. It was to be honest with every single coach every single time he talked to them. And one of the things that we were asked very early from our program is, we will love to help you through this process. And most coaches will say something to that effect. But if you, at any time at this, in this process, decide that you do not want to go to our school, please let us know. Because it's not fair to hold on to that relationship and maintain that relationship if you've already decided, I'm not going to play for that school. And that was something we were absolutely committed to doing. So when Jackson found out that he wanted to go to the school, to Oregon, which is where Jackson is verbally committed, um, we had to sit down as a family and we had to say to ourselves, okay, what is the next right thing to do with all our relationships? And it was one of the most difficult things in the world because that meant that Jackson needed to call all the other coaches who he had been in communication with and have very, very hard conversations and tell them how much he appreciated everything they've done for him, how he loved the fact that they extended an offer to him, but that in order to live within his integrity and within our framework, he had to tell them he had made a decision. And... That can be handled various different ways, and I'm certainly not judging how people handle that or don't handle that. But in our family, we felt it was really important to have those conversations. So I don't think I've ever been more proud of anyone in my entire life. Well, that wouldn't be true. I'm proud of all my kids. Um, But I was incredibly proud of Jackson because he then got on the phone and he called every single one of those coaches and had very, very difficult conversations with them, telling them he'd made his decision and he made it really early. And we can kind of go into that at a different podcast, but that he wanted to let them know because it wasn't fair for them to be holding a position for him if he wasn't going to take that position. And I mean, it broke my heart hearing them have those conversations, but it's what you do when you respect someone. It's what you do when you want to be professionalism have some professionalism. Um, our, uh, we were only not able to contact one of the coaches. We tried for four days, calling him multiple times a day, and that particular coach never called us back. And so we ended up uh, posting our commitment on Twitter with most of the coaches, except for one um, who had not returned that call being told so that they were not sideswiped. They did not see that on Twitter and not know that it was coming. Uh, The one coach that he wasn't able to actually verbally have a conversation with, he did send him a text outlining why he had made that decision prior to releasing that on Twitter because we just wanted to be as respectful as possible for everyone in, in 
the whole process. Um, a lot of kids will just, those are hard conversations. And a lot of kids have, um, again, 50 offers or 42 offers. And so they like to take it down to a top 10. And then they like to take it down to a top five. And then they like to take it down to the one. Um, I have no insight and in whether or not they're having conversations and telling those coaches ahead of time uh, that they're not going to be making it on to the next round. Um, we found that that would not have been within our integrity to do it that way. So we had personal conversations. And I think Jackson probably learned more from having those difficult conversations um, than he did with having the conversation in which he committed. Uh, that brings us to our final topic on this particular uh, podcast, which is what I like to call the coaching wheel of prizes. Um, every season, at the end of the season, and sometimes mid-season, but for the most part at the end of the season, uh, there is a massive shift in college football. There's a massive shift actually at the professional level too. It doesn't really happen at the high school level, um, but a massive shift at the college level. So you will have programs who um, thought they were going to do really good and maybe they didn't do really good. So you'll see a bunch of coaches get fired from programs that felt like their football program underperformed. And so you will have an entire staff from anywhere from 30 to 50 different universities that will all be let go. Um, on the flip side of that, you will have um, coaches who are having the best time of their lives. Everything clicked. They overperformed. They maybe went to a bowl game they've never been to before. They maybe won that bowl game. And suddenly they go from being kind of a mid-range college um, coach to being the hot ticket coach. And then when those other programs who thought they needed better performance come calling, that's a big upgrade maybe from the school they were at. So you will see coaches and staffs uh, go from one college to the next um, as they're either moving up a bit or they're moving across a bit or maybe a head coach will turn into an offensive coordinator or a, a position coach um, or a head coach will turn into a position coach. and Or you may have a position coach that's suddenly a head coach at a different university. This uh, happens really, really quickly. So the season will end for a lot of teams at the end of November, first week of December, and maybe that particular football program didn't make it to a bowl game. And so they will fire that staff. Like if the last game's on a Saturday, that staff is fired on Monday. And uh, a lot of times within a week, they've been picked up by another organization. So you'll have, it's like a big, imagine the wheel of fortune wheel and everybody's on the wheel and suddenly you spin the wheel and everyone goes off into various different directions. Um, that's why relationships are, and relationship management is the most important thing during this process. Someone who uh, offered you and loved you at a particular university may not be at that university by the end of that year and maybe at a different university. And what you want to do is have authentic 
real relationships with all the people that believe in you or believe in your athlete. So I am a big, big fan of never burning a bridge, of always being incredibly grateful. Um, Jackson has written his fair share of handwritten thank you notes and sent them off to uh, different universities. I've certainly written my share of handwritten thank you notes and sent them off to different universities and different coaches just because in the big big world, it's such an important thing to make sure that you're always maintaining your relationships, that you're maintaining them with a level of gratitude because we're so, so lucky to even be in this specific position as well as we continue to try and do the next right thing, one thing at a time, and it'll bring you all the way home. So that's our episode today. We'll just quickly recap. We gave you a framework. Feel free to come up with your own framework about how you're going to handle this process. We talked about you creating your big board, different universities having their big board. We talked about how do we network? How do we find out the coaches we want to reach out to? Um, How do they find us? We talked about what um, a full ride is, how many scholarships are available to be allocated, um, how to kind of determine whether or not you may be a need for those universities or not their universities. Uh, we talked about um, committable offers. We talked about why an offer would be committable or not committable. And we also talked about relationships and professionalism. So that is it for this episode of Recruiting for Mamas. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks.